Galatians chapter 6 is where I believe God has a chosen assignment for us tonight. So go ahead and make your way to the book of Galatians and specifically chapter 6. I'm ready to give this word tonight. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to receive the word tonight? I don't know how you couldn't be after that amazing worship set we just had. We're moving into the fourth week of our series, Jesus Owns Me. And my prayer is that you've been encouraged through these messages, but my prayer has also been that you've been challenged over the past few weeks, challenged as believers to live at a depth of full surrender to Jesus that you may have never plunged to before, to realize the only way to live satisfied is to live surrendered. Turn to somebody beside you and tell them to live surrendered. Live surrendered. The only way to live satisfied is to live surrendered. We've covered some key components of what a life Jesus owns entails. If Jesus owns me, we found a few things to be true. Number one, if he owns me, then he establishes my identity. Don't let Satan name what Jesus by his blood has claimed. So Jesus, as my owner, establishes my identity, but he also decides my usefulness. As my owner, he sets the course for my life. We talked about being slaves of the Savior and what that life looks like, a life of full surrender to whatever he desires to do in and through us. And then he also expects my dependency, what we talked about last week, how every facet of my life is to be fully dependent upon him and not independent of him. But we have one more area to cover tonight. So I'm asking you to lean in with your expectation but also to lock in with your attention. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different tonight. If you don't mind, if you would, right where you're at, just stand up in reverence and respect to the reading of the Word. Go ahead and stand. We're going to stand together as we read the Word of God tonight. Paul, writing to the Galatians in chapter 6, verse 14, says, But far be it from me to boast... Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. God, we thank you for the opportunity to encounter your word tonight. And my prayer is that you would help me to preach it as you gave it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. One of my good friends that I grew up playing ball with and we hunted to fish together throughout the better part of our lives, he is what I would call a name brander. When it comes to buying shoes, clothes, equipment, accessories, it really doesn't matter. He's going to go with the name brand of whatever it is he's wanting to get. How many of you would consider yourselves to be name branders? No judgment. No judgment whatsoever. There's nothing wrong with that. I think we all are name branders to an extent when it comes to certain things. But when it comes down to it, you're going to go with a Nike. You're going to go with Adidas. You're going to go with Lululemon or American Eagle or Old Navy. You're going to go with the Ray-Bans. You're going to go with Gucci or Prada. Maybe not here in our lifestyles. But if you could, you would go with it, right? Instead of whatever the generic manufacturer is putting out. So whatever is generic, you're going to stray away from that. Most of the time, you're going to go with the name brand thing. It's just hard to beat the name brand, right? Because it's typically the best product. The quality is better. The value typically holds better. And if we're being honest, 
is something we like being seen with. Agreed? Y'all sit there and look at me like y'all are all holy and spiritual tonight. I know how the game works. You like being seen with us. That's why we buy it. We wear it around. We're proud of what we bought. We're proud we got the name brand. And so with our time together this week, I want to speak from the subject of name branded. Name branded. If Jesus owns me, then he brands, or you could say he marks, my life. As Paul concludes his letter to the Galatians, he says in verse 17, For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. In the literal sense, Paul was referring to his scarred up body from being persecuted for his faith that he had in Christ. 199 total times is how many times Paul received a whip across his back. And so the man literally bore the marks of Jesus on his body. So in the physical sense, in the literal sense, he, he bore those marks. But in the figurative sense, he was showing that he was marked or branded by Jesus. It was a sign of ownership. To wear a brand is to wear a sign of ownership. He was branded with the name of Jesus. So let's talk about being name branded. Let's talk about wearing the brand of Christ. If I'm branded with the name of Jesus, then first and foremost, that means that I should be proud of what I wear. If I'm branded with the name of Jesus, then I should be proud of what I wear. Go back and look at the first part of verse 14 with me. Paul says, Far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul told the Galatians, if I'm going to boast, if I'm going to brag about, if I'm going to be proud of anything or anybody, it's going to be in Jesus and what he did on the cross for me. And as believers, if we're going to boast, if we're going to brag, if we're going to make much about anybody, the same should be true in our lives as well. Our boasting, our bragging, our excitedness should be found solely in Christ and what he did on the cross, realizing that he is everything and we are nothing without him. People boast about all kinds of different things. Have you noticed? Grandparents boast about grandkids. Scholars boast about grades. Business people boast about bank accounts. Athletes boast about accolades. Fans boast about championships. Or at least Alabama fans do. Has-beens boast about who they used to be. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever been around someone that all they do is boast about this thing they did or that award they got or this opportunity that they had to the point where it just gets annoying? Because all they ever talk about are the things that they have done. What if the people of God became like that? What if the people of God became like that and how proud we were of Jesus and what he has done in our lives? I wish, I wish we as a people of God would begin to annoy the world around us by our constant and consistent boasting of Jesus. Jesus saved my soul. Jesus made me whole. Jesus broke my addiction. Jesus restored my marriage. Jesus gave me purpose. Jesus healed my disease. Jesus removed my depression. Jesus gave me direction. Jesus brought me joy. Jesus defeated my anxiety. Jesus gave me abundant life. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I wish we could annoy the world around us by boasting in Christ and all that he has done in and through our lives. I wish so bad we would be a people proud to boldly wear the brand of Christ. Most of us would agree, right? 
That sounds good. That's all I'm like that. I'm feeling that, Trey. But you know what I'm finding out instead? It's that everybody wants to be used. Everybody wants to be used without being unashamed. Everybody wants to be used without being unashamed. I don't have any trouble wearing the brand of Jesus when I come into this place week in and week out. But every other day I find myself covering it up. Every other day I find myself hiding that mark that he's placed upon my body. Moments when I find myself not giving people the true answer when they ask me why I don't participate in those activities or go to those kind of places. I find myself covering up the brand that I have been marked with. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody wants to be used without being unashamed. When I was in fifth grade, I can remember this quite vividly. I got a pair of shoes, and they weren't Air Jordans, they were Emmett Smith's. Now, some of y'all may have no idea who Emmett Smith is, but he was a running back for the Dallas Cowboys. And back in my day, when I was a kid, man, he was the stuff as far as running backs in the NFL. And so they came out with a pair of shoes, and that was, these were these shoes that Emmett Smith wore, as far as what they told all of us. I was in fifth grade, so I, I just took word for it. I'm like, man, i got to have me a pair of them shoes. So I got me a pair of Emmett Smith, man. I thought I was the stuff. And I told everybody when I got I couldn't wait to go back to school the next day and put those shoes on and show everybody my Emmett Smith that I had on. I kid you not, my flag football game after that elevated to a status that nobody could attain to on the playground. Those shoes made me run faster. <laughs> they made me jump higher. No, they didn't. But I thought they did, and I was so proud of those shoes. I wanted everybody, I wore them every single day. I bet they didn't last a year and a half because I wore them out. Everywhere that I went. And you want to be used by God? Then be unashamed of God. We should be that proud to wear the brand of Jesus. We should put that brand on and walk out in public every single day looking for somebody that we can brag to about him. When we get up in the morning, man, we ought to be so full of excitement. We can't wait to find ourselves at our jobs, at our schools, around our classmates, around our teammates. Waiting for an opportunity to boast and brag on Jesus and who he is and what he has done in our lives. Be proud to wear the brand of Jesus in front of family. Be proud to wear the brand of Jesus in front of friends. Be proud to wear the brand of Jesus in front of your roommates, on campus, at work. Don't hide that. Don't cover that up. If Jesus owns me, I wear his mark. I wear his brand. I should be proud to do so. The same guy who wrote this letter to the Galatians says in Romans 1.16, For I am unashamed of the gospel of Christ. Unashamed. Everybody wants to be used without being unashamed. If you're going to be used, you're going to have to be unashamed. So be proud to wear the brand that Jesus has placed upon your body as a believer, as part of his kingdom. But then also, if I wear the mark of Jesus, if I wear the brand of Jesus, then that should mean that I don't want the world. I don't want the world. Go back and look at what Paul says in the second half of verse 14. After he says, my boasting should be in Christ and Christ alone, he says this, I boast in the Lord Jesus by which the, the world has been crucified to me. So as he goes on writing, he states that through Jesus Christ, the world has been crucified to him. What in the world does that mean? What in the world does Paul mean when he says the world has been crucified to me? Well, it means that for him, this world system and all that it has to offer with its wealth, with its fame, with its status, its possessions, its pleasures, all that stuff was dead to Paul because of what Christ had done in his life. 
No longer did this worldly system have any power. No longer did this worldly system hold any attraction or influence or appeal over his life. Why? One simple fact. Because he had Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, the same guy wrote this in the book of Philippians. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or garbage in order that I may gain Christ. Jesus makes the values of this world look like garbage in comparison to him. He is the name brand Standard. Everything else this world has to offer is generic. It's great value stuff. It's cheap. It holds no value. I mean, we just sang it in the song earlier, right? But you didn't realize it, maybe. I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Paul understood on a level in which a lot of us will never get to. Why? Because we still try to hold on to the world. There is no satisfaction. There is no fulfillment in that. Those of us that have been branded, those of us that have been marked by Jesus, we should not want the world. We should look at it just like Paul did and consider that to be garbage in comparison to Jesus Christ. But let me, let me key you in on something. Our adversary, the devil, he's crafty. And he will do whatever he can do to get you chasing back after the things of the world. But he doesn't do it in the way that you might think. So I need you to watch this real closely with me because we're going to expose a tactic of the devil tonight. And I'm just going to tell you that anytime we get to this point, it's something that he can't stand. And so once it becomes exposed, he will then try to find a little different way of rewriting it to bring it back around into your life. But tonight, I think it's going to help set some people free. Because you're going to come into a realization of something that maybe you never had before, of an underhanded scheme of the devil and the way in which he tempts believers to try and get back to chasing after the things of the world. So watch this with me. He doesn't lure you by increasing your desire for the world. Paul just said, as a believer, the world has been what? It has been crucified to me. Something that has been crucified is dead. It no longer ceases to live. So... Our crafty adversary doesn't lure you by increasing your desire for the world. He can't increase a desire for something that is dead within us. And he knows that. So what he does is he does it by decreasing your desire for God. So let's put it all together just so you can write it out nice and neat on your notepad if you want to. He doesn't lure you by increasing your desire for the world. He does it by decreasing your desire for God. Tell me, y'all better lean into some of this stuff tonight because I promise you it can radically transform the way you're fighting this battle right now. Because some of you here tonight, you have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, but you are searching the world high and low right now for satisfaction and fulfillment that you know can only be found in Him. And it's a scheme that the enemy has drawn you into. He can't increase your desire for something that God has killed in your life. So what he does is he attacks your desire for the thing that's living in your life, that being Jesus Christ. And if he can decrease that, now he can get you into a situation to where you fall back on the only other thing that you have ever known in your life, and that's searching the world. Are y'all hearing it? Please. 
as a born-again believer to desire or to want and indulge in the things of this world is to place yourself at a substandard level of living. 1 John 2.15. Remember what I told you? Remember that underhanded, schemy way that he attacks? He doesn't increase your desire for the world. He decreases your desire for God. Listen to this. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What did I just say? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know what the enemy does? He attacks your desire for God. Let me take it one more step and show it to you. Another way. See, God's word found this so important that he used multiple authors to prove this point. James chapter 4 and verse 4. James is writing to believers. He's not writing to, to people that don't know God. He's writing to people that have a true born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. And he says, you adulterous people. You know what an adulterer is? Someone who cheats on their spouse. All throughout scripture you see our relationship to God being compared to just that. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Once again, the enemy does not increase your desire for the world. He tries to decrease your desire for God. And once he gets you to that place, then you fall back on the only other system you've ever known in your life, and that's to search the world for the things that you can only find in Christ. But if I'm owned by Jesus... If I wear his brand, if I wear his mark, then I should not want the things of the world. If you wear his brand, don't drop that for something generic. As Paul finishes up this letter, he's writing to a group of people that have been struggling with these same exact things. These problems that we face nowadays as believers, they're not new problems. They're just a new age in which we deal with the same old stuff that people that have tried to live under God have dealt with for years and years and years and years and years. That's why we can't say this book is outdated and irrelevant. Different time frame, different time frame, but the same old icky stuff. The same old problems that humanity has been battling all throughout the dawn of creation. And so Paul says in the last part of verse 14, we finish up with this tonight. He says this, so far be it for me to boast except on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for which the world has been crucified to me. And then he finishes up that verse by saying, and I to the world. I can't tell you how many times I've read through this passage, study in Scripture throughout the years, and something has never clicked in this sense like it has before. But I want to show it to you tonight because I feel like it's once again another transformative, freeing thing that if you will grab a hold of tonight, can elevate your walk with Christ to a whole Another level. It's not that I don't want the world, but it's that the world doesn't want me either. When I wear the brand, when I wear the mark of Jesus Christ, it's not just that I don't want the world any longer. It's that it turns around and the world says, well, we don't want you either. Paul doesn't just say the world had been crucified to him, but that he had been crucified to the world. So in essence, because of Jesus, he didn't want the world. The world didn't want him either. My junior year of high school, we're going way back in time. 
for a moment. My junior year in high school, the first opportunity that I had to go and be a part of the high school prom and all that good stuff. And it's not really that I got overly excited about high school prom, but, you know, everybody's going. And so you want to join in on the fun. It's something that you want to experience. And so I had found somebody to go with. We jumped through all the hoops and did all the stuff. And she went and got the dress, and I went and got the tux and all that good stuff. Prom night rolls around. She was a softball player. Conveniently enough, they had a softball tournament that same day. And I know we've got some girls in here that play softball. I don't know what y'all do with tournaments, man. Can y'all not just have like two or three games and that be it? It's like a 14-hour affair. Like, So they play in this tournament. And they started playing that afternoon. And, and they lost their first game. Double elimination. They lost their first game. So immediately in the loser's bracket. Problems at like 7 o'clock. So I'm thinking, that's fine. They'll get beat sooner or later and we'll be good to go. I get a text later on. We won our next game. I'm like, all right. No big deal. Softball games, they go by pretty quick. Get a text later on. Hey, we won the next game. Getting closer and closer to the time. It's like 5 o'clock by now. Get another text. Hey, we won the next game. I'm like, all right. That's cool. You won't have to make a decision sooner or later, though. Like, you're going to stay and play the game. You're going to leave, and we're going to prom. Make a decision. And I knew who she was. I knew how she was and the competitor that she was. And I'm like, there's no chance she's going to leave the game. Get a text at like 6 o'clock. Hey, we won that game. Our next game's at 7.30. Well, now we got a major conflict of interest. So I'm like, you going to stay and play? She's like, yeah. So I'm like, cool. So now the reality is beginning to set in <laughs> that I, of all people, am fixing to get stood up and rejected for my first opportunity to go to prom, which isn't that big of a deal in some ways. Other than the fact that everybody's going to be texting me, hey, where y'all at? Y'all ain't coming? <laughs> no, actually, I'm not. I got stood up. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Literally, that got stood up for his junior prom. Rejected by my date for some softball games. And I respect that. It's fine. There's, there's no bitterness whatsoever. Trust me. I moved past it. It's no big deal. I had, what? Let me tell y'all what made it even worse, though. Man, that's such a joy of having your parents sit in the service when you say stuff like this. My mom, you know, having spent the money and stuff to get the tux, was determined she was going to get a picture of me at least in the tux. <laughs> so it's not just that I'm not going to the prom. It's that I've got to put the tux on at the house while she takes pictures of me without a prom date to submit for all eternity so I can be reminded of the time I got rejected and stood up at my junior prom. And then to make it worse. I know you think it can't get any worse. She says this to me. Well, I'll go with you. Are you serious? Just pour salt all over the wound. Yeah, mom, great idea. Let's roll up in the Florence Coliseum. Right down here in downtown, here comes Trey with his mom for his date at the junior prom. <laughs> Man, I'm not going to lie, the rejection side of it, it was painful. When we boldly and unashamedly wear the brand of Jesus, let me inform you on something. The world doesn't want you. John 15, 19 says, if you were of the world, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you, I marked you, I branded you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 
Let me tell you something. That's a rejection that shouldn't cause pain but praise. We face rejection in this life that does cause pain. It's not fun to be rejected. But when you are branded by Jesus, when you wear the mark of Jesus Christ, when he has set his seal of ownership before you, when the world looks at you and hates you, when the world looks at you and rejects you because of your faith in him, that's not a reason to be hurt and in pain. That's a reason to give praise unto God. I don't want the world and praise God. I hope it doesn't want me. That mark states that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my master. Jesus is my owner. And it should say to the world, when we unashamedly live for Him, that there's no point in the world even attempting to draw us back. There's no point in the world wasting its time or its efforts to try and get me in a place that it knows I'm not going to. Why? Because I boldly and unashamedly wear the brand of Jesus everywhere that I go. You want to deal with some of the temptations that you've been struggling with for so long in your life? Start unashamedly displaying your faith and affection for Christ. And I promise you the devils of this world will get off of your back a lot sooner because they realize that's a battle they can't win, so they'll go elsewhere. So many people struggle and fail and struggle and fail in their walk with Christ, trying to abstain from the passions and the desires of their flesh. Why? Because they won't so boldly just stand and live for Jesus as a way in which it does not attract that kind of attention from the enemy in your life. I promise you, I promise you, and I'm not saying that it won't be without battles, I'm not saying that the enemy won't still come up against you. But if you commit to daily walking and living in step with the Spirit, your spiritual battles and the struggles that you face in them will significantly decrease. Because the enemy knows greater is he that is in you. So why pick a fight that he can't win? Stop making yourself such an available target because you're too ashamed to boldly display the brand and the mark of Jesus that he's placed upon your life. That mark states that he is my Lord, he is my master, and he is my owner. So don't bother picking a fight here, world, because I'm name branded. And I ain't got nothing for the generic stuff that you want to try and bring into my life. I've got life abundant. I've got peace that surpasses anything else that you could bring into this life. I know what fulfillment is. I know what satisfaction is. And it's Christ and Christ alone. So go pick a battle elsewhere. Because this, this is marked. This is branded. This is sealed. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for His glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through His Word here at Life.